Good morning and welcome to Tanya Today. I'm Rabbi Ronnie Fine coming to you from Chabad Zerif and in Montreal, Canada, where it's a privilege and a pleasure to share with you the Tanya in the greetings to Usher in Memphis, Boker Tov, Rabab in Morocco, and Tangier. Welcome. And Saraya is with us in Waterbury. Waterbury is that Waterbury, New York, I think. And David in Denver, still there. <laughs> Welcome. Andrew in Springfield, New Jersey. Good morning. Mandy is with us in Cape Town, South Africa. Shabbos is uh, coming. Down in Indonesia, good evening. Eric is in Norway, good afternoon. John in uh, North Carolina, shalom. Davida and Liba, good morning. New York, Eugenia is with us in Calgary. Welcome. Julie in Florida, Rina, Boker Tov in Colorado. Robert, shalom to you in Boston. AJ, Boker Tov. Heather in Connecticut. Welcome, Rachel in London, the UK. Good afternoon. Anna in New York. Diane in London, Ontario. Alan Bokertov. Eliezer. In some place I can't make it out. We have with us uh, Batya, David, Adam, uh, Mendel. Uh, Merle and Tekia, Selina, Menachem, Ben, and uh, how else we have uh, Darwin, Tim, Mashiach now, Akoy, um, James, Tony. All right, uh, a lady in Kenya, welcome, Alan in Philly, Curtis is in Denver, Michael in Long, Long Island, Sandy, okay folks, we are con continuing in the 15th letter this is a, a monumental letter in the fact that explaining the makeup of our soul is uh, uniquely dealt with here in detail that is not found in, in, in Tanya at least and found in other places but not in Tanya as it is found here. So uh, briefly we spoke previously of the fact that the divine soul is blown into us it's a part of god so we have a part of god he has 10 divine attributes we have 10 powers of the soul even though we call them by the same name and essentially they're the same but of course they're incomparable uh what it means my kindness to god's kindness to god's intelligence to uh, our, my intelligence and the like so let us now get into the meat of <laughs> well that's the right word but the understanding of 
the um, the ten spheres as they are within the soul, the individual. We begin with the emotive attribute, uh, the emotive qualities. There are seven attributes, and uh, this is them in general terms. The Altarebbe says, Chesed. Which he doesn't say here, but in other places, it's the right hand, the stronger hand. So if you're a lefty, it's your left hand, the stronger hand. Chesed means loving kindness, but it means a benevolence without a limit. Why is there no limit? Because it's not about uh, it's not about you. I, I'm sorry, it's not about the recipient. It's about you being benevolent. And there's no boundaries to it, right? There's no boundaries to it. Like a host, right? A host isn't saying, well, you know, you're overweight, so you can't eat these pancakes. You, uh, you know, are uh, malnourished, so you've got to eat, uh, you know, you got to eat the protein, whatever. <laughs> you are, you know, that's not a host. A host just gives without limitations whatever you know no um yeah no limitations so that's chesed gvura as we translate as stern limitation a contraction a holding back whether holding back from giving entirely or holding back partially it is the left hand the weaker hand so like the mother who holds back from the child when she wants ice cream before dinner. So you, you know, you might say, well, let me use my kindness. After all, isn't kindness everything? No, because then we wouldn't have Gvuro. Kindness was everything. We wouldn't have the restraint, the holding back. So there's a time for each, of course. And for Gvura, you know, ice cream before dinner, so the mother says no entirely to it or you know says no until after dinner for dessert you know eat your dinner then you can have dessert and that's done with the left hand weaker hand meaning it's not as a powerful message because it's not the overall message that we want you know of holding back it's necessary at times but it's not the 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 overriding, the strong message that we want to give. The strong message that we want to give is chesed, it's benevolence. Right? But, again, that's not always what is appropriate. Then we go further. Rachamim, compassion, um, which in the body is the torso. So compassion is a mixture of both chesed and gvura. So how, how is it a mixture? So when you're giving indiscriminately, without boundaries, so it's not about whether the person's deserving, not deserving, you're not even taking into account really the person. You're just, you know, um, you just got engaged. <laughs> yeah. And you are flying high because you met Miss Perfect, Mr. Perfect for you. 
and you're just on top of the world and you're giving out uh, you know candies or l'chaim to everybody including the person that you don't care for maybe you might even you know dislike but there's no consideration because you're not taking into account the other you are just in a moment of benevolent giving without boundaries so you're giving to your friend your foe you know not because you have a, in mind you want to transform your foe or something like that no it's just everybody no boundaries all right so compassion is well there's a boundary here um it is a it is the the middle ground the torso between the right and the left there is a um, um a um judgment over here and the judgment is that this person is uh, you know lacking and uh you know and uh maybe unworthy and and i mean not maybe is unworthy but seems to be unworthy and therefore um that's a kind of a judgment and yet out of compassion you're benevolent you give but you're taking into consideration there's a judgment call um a judgment in uh, i don't mean a judgment like a, against the person oh you're not worthy of being given no because you are giving in the end but you're taking into consideration that the person is lacking is missing and you know you're you're thinking about that person in their lack um that's come from that comes from a judgment again benevolence the way we're explaining chesed is that there isn't taking into consideration the other it's about you desiring to give so here there is taking that uh sorry state of the person into consideration into judgment and yet you know from a judgment point of view so maybe it's not coming to them but out of compassion you give to them um <clears throat> the example i give is some of this we've done in other places by the way um the example i give is uh, the um someone works for you and you made up to work uh, eight hours but the person goofed off for three hours and really you only deserves by judgment to get or goofed off or what or, or maybe that's not, whatever the example doesn't really matter um and so you really only deserve they only deserves to get five hour pay but you give them the eight hour pay out of compassion because you know the difficult times that the person's going through and of compassion you give to them right now wrong place for compassion would be for a drug addict you don't give a drug addict money uh, out of compassion that would be inappropriate now the term for this is called tiferis it's not called compassion this third attribute it's called tiferis tiferis means beautiful and there's a beauty over here because as the right arm chesed and the left arm gvura are very um a one-liner a one color to it beauty is when you have a mixture of colors and they are uh, balanced harmonized so there's a harmony over here between chesed and gvura and that's a beautiful color that's a beautiful thing to be able to do that to harmonize the right and the left together 
So that's compassion. Those are things that we've dealt with in the past. We've heard this before. Now the Altair is going to go into ground that um, it's really only in this letter, at, at least in Tanya, that he goes into the um, into the depth of this. And that is the the next uh, three attributes. So now, the fact that you have a a desire, uh, I, I, let's say you're, you're you're moved to be benevolent or by compassion to give. Now, the problem with that is it's still very it, it it remains just like the arms are very expressive and people use their hands and their arms to when they talk, you know, in order because it's very animated the uh, the emotions that are being expressed in one's conversation let's say so those are very um uh, those three that we just mentioned are very passionate forms of emotion what's the problem with passion i mean we know what's good about passion what's the problem with passion is that it's not long-lasting. You can't have passion all the time. You can't be animated all the time. There's a downtime. There's a, a time where, you know, it, it's, it's just... Also, the problem... The, the why is the passion not sustainable is because um, it's, it's more about you. It's more about your feelings. Right, even with the gvura, which is a judgment and taking into consideration the other, but it's still about you. Your compassion, it's a compassion is about you. How do you make this stabilized? How do you make this now to bring down the influence that you want to give, the, the desire of giving? How do you bring it down to a more stable, durable manner is what we're going to go through next. Right? How's it going to be deliberate? Deliberate meaning deliberate for you. Right? Because again, the passion of giving, holding back, of compassion um, is a very, very strong, passionate feelings that the person has of themselves. But here we're talking about you want to give something to another. So you need to bring it down for the other to appreciate. You need it to bring it down so the other can swallow it, so to speak. Then it should be deliberate, meant for them. Because these three that we just mentioned will not deliver the goods properly. Right? So, the other heavens gives its example of here, but in any of the examples, I, I, the examples I've given, but um, let, let's take this further. Um, you have a strong desire, and I've given this example before, as a grandparent, you know, your grandchild, that you just, uh, 
they're just luscious they're delicious you know and you just want to um hug them because of the strong passionate feeling that you have of, of connecting of love or it might be sometimes out of a compassion for whatever it is right but you smother them in love because it's more about you than it is about them so now we need to make it something that the recipient should be able to absorb that the recipient of this uh, emotional uh, desire of giving that it should be truly meant for them and that's where we're going now um, now the example the Altered gives is of a father who wants to teach something to his son that, that's the example but of course it could be used uh, in any manner uh, but you know that's that's a, a it's a good way to express it so um, So what could be the problem? Well, the parent, right, giving to the child, the parent knows so much more. And whatever that they want to give over, in their mind, it is um, um, a powerful idea, let's say an ideal, of a value that you want, that it's so important for you to teach this to your child. Right. So the problem is when it's a passion that you have for it, again, it won't be deliberate. It won't be uh, exercising brought across to the child in the way that it should be meant for the child, that they could gain it. Because if it only remained in these three attributes that we just mentioned of Chesed Vorotiferis. So what you need to do is to bring it down to Netzach Vahoyd. And those are the right and left foot. Netzach is the right foot, Hod is the left foot. Now, what's the uh, um, foot or leg? What, what is unique about the feet, the legs, is that that's what gives us a grounding, literally. That brings us to the ground, right? It, it grounds the rest of the body. It upholds everything, the arms and torso and, and so on. And so it's about now bringing it down in a way that every word is fitly spoken to the child so that the child will absorb what they what the message you want to give them that it shouldn't remain that you just your, your your child gets from you wow you're really passionate about this I don't really get it <laughs> yeah right I don't really get it so you kind of missed the boat on that now, maybe it's very nice that your child sees how passionate you're about this, but that's not what you wanted to achieve. You wanted to achieve that the child, child should be able to understand and absorb the idea. Now, that, not that there's not passion there. We're not saying to, dis, you know, to remove the passion, but from the passion, it now needs to come from the arms and the torso. It needs now to come down to the feet, so to speak, right? It needs to be brought down. So the Alta Rebbe says, by way of metaphor, and these are metaphors that, you know, that we use. Um, I mean, we have the feet metaphor, but it's the kidneys. Uh, and, and, and he says, and again, by way of metaphor, two testicles uh, that produce spermatosa. So he explains, because kidneys, what do they, they filter out things, the things that are 
extraneous. That's what kidneys do. They filter out. Right? So that's important. You need to filter out that which is extraneous in order that you give that which would be, um, bring it down in a way that's going to make it comprehensible. Um, that's uh, the, the metaphor of kidneys. Then there's the metaphor of spermatosa. So the alternative explains, and this is something we had in chapter two, the first part of Tani, if you recall, that the sperm that's developed in the testicles that is physical actually begins in the mind, in the thoughts of the mind that are, um, um, so to speak, spiritual, that are, um, uh, are subtle. They're uh, a subtle idea in the, in the brain and the intelligence that from there it develops and it comes into sperm in the testicles that is concrete, physical. Right? So the Altadeb explains meaning that often we have an idea that we want to share and here we're talking about the parent with the child that is a, a you know, um, might be abstract. And with your passion, you may just teach it abstractly and rather than bringing it down, grounding it, and bringing it down, um, taking the extraneous things, leaving it out, as filtering uh, in the uh, kidneys does, and likewise to taking it from something that's ethereal, abstract, um, and bringing it down into something concrete, which is the metaphor of the uh, spermatosa, right? So that's a function of um, of these two attributes, the right and left foot, netzach and hoid. Yet another function of these attributes of netzach and hoid is um, that they're like grinders, like um, the millstone that you grind and you now take the uh, the kernel and you're grinding it into smaller um, pieces that ultimately are going to be edible, absorbed um, by the individual by eating it, right? So meaning that the metaphor, again, this is a metaphor, is that, that it is about grinding down something that it becomes a bite-sized piece that it becomes something that is, so not only is it something you filter out, you filter out, not only do you bring it down from something that's abstract and something that can be concrete and real for the, for the person that you, you know, for the, for the child that's being taught by way of example, um, or like I'm teaching now, trying to do that. I hope I'm doing that okay. Um, but furthermore, it needs to be down, grinded into small pieces, bite size, something that it will be, um, you know, the capacity of the of the child or the person to be able to absorb it, to eat it, have it absorbed. Okay, that's in general, Netzach and Hod. Now we go specifically into Netzach. Netzach comes from the word comes from the word um, nitzachon, which means a victory, um, overcoming. It's a victory. It's uh, it's um, 
what, what is it? What's the, the, the victory? To prevail, right? A victory is to prevail. So Netzach means to prevail. What are you prevailing over? Well, there are things from within and things from without that we need to prevail and overcome. In other words, when, when you have the passion to, to, to influence, to give, to be benevolent in giving something, right? Here we're talking about giving over something, uh, a teachings or an idea or something of value to you, of values to your child. Right again. That's just the the example he's giving here, the Alter Rebbe. So um, when you start bringing it down to the child, then all the, and you're thinking about you know how to make it bite size, how to make it um, uh, concrete, how to filter out what needs to be filtered out, and so on. So you're really taking into consideration now the the child's capability, their understanding, you know, and so on. All of a sudden, you know. You're looking at that child and, hmm, are they really worthy of this? Are they really, like, paying attention now that they're ready for this? I don't know. That's when you need to prevail over yourself, right? At times, I mean, again, this is the metaphor that we're giving. Maybe it's sometimes the child isn't ready, but that's not the metaphor, right? I mean, the child, you know, you, you now start to question, hmm, I don't know if they're ready for this. So sometimes what we need to do is prevail over ourselves. In other words, we're bringing in the midav gvura that we want to hold back. We want to hold back from giving. Because, um, you know, thinking that they're not fit. Hello? Come in. Yeah, yeah, come on in, left door. Okay. Uh, on the steps all the way to the uh, the 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 steps lead all the way to the uh, to the uh, to the roof yeah. from the inside going and uh, no, go through the um, the the sanctuary go straight ahead and then to the left when you're in the sanctuary and you'll see there's steps uh, the fire escape and then go up okay thank you thank you sorry for that interruption in here for our roof so um, to to um, prevail, to have a victory over yourself, right? Because you think, ah, you know, that attribute of gvur is coming in, and uh, want, you know, maybe I'm going to withhold, maybe you know, and 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 it's you know, it's not coming from a, a good place. That now sometimes you need to, sometimes maybe what you planned was in, was too much. But that, you know, again, it's a metaphor here for us to understand. So sometimes, yeah, we, we do need to hold back on, um, and we even spoke about, you know, filtering things that's holding back. But here we're talking about holding back, you know, entirely. Maybe the, you know, the, you know, the child is fidgety right now and it's not the time. Maybe. Or maybe that means that's just an excuse for you that, you know, this difficult conversation or idea that you want to, uh, present, uh, you know, you want to uh, opt out. So again, um, the metaphor over here is that we have sometimes um, we have to prevail over ourselves and the feelings that we have in the instance of not wanting to give. Sometimes it could be from without because the child is actually 
right, uh, is indeed. It's the child is maybe acting out. So um, we got to deal with that situation and to overcome that, to prevail, that's a victory. That's Netzach specifically. Now, just to let you know that in the Altareb in this letter, there's a an omission here um, a, and missing out the whole concept of Hod, which Hod means acknowledgement, Hod means um, humility. Uh, so it's missing over here. I, I will just fill in a bit in what it says in other places. So Netzach is about overcoming you, you know, um, prevailing over issues from within and without. So it's really more about you. Hod is the acknowledgement of the other, of really where they're at. And therefore being able to then um, filter out what needs to be filtered, to bring out in a concrete way, precisely um, how concrete, how abstract it should be, because you're acknowledging through your through a, a humility that it's nothing about you but really about the other and truly acknowledging um, and being aware where they're at where they're at okay meaning um, so it's a judgment in a sense but in a, in a an acknowledgement of humility, not a judgment like in, in a negative sense of being judging, judgmental. No, but truly judging their capacity, truly being aware. Netzach is really more about you and overcoming, right? You got to overcome. Here, it's more about the other that is uh, having a, a real deep awareness of the capacity of the other. That takes humility to be able to do that. And and then therefore filtering, um, filtering, concretizing, um, the bite size, how much of a bite size, how much you're grinding this, that you could, you know, how much you precisely should you give? That's where that process takes place in this example. And then we have Yisod. Yisod uh, means foundation. It means communication, it mean, which is foundational hum, communication. And it means, um, and it means, uh, fundamental. Hmm. What's that? It means a bond, which is fundamental. Communication creates a bond. That's what Yisod is. The foundation. And what is that? Is the desire to connect, the bond, that desire to connect. Um, in other words, so you would think that you would think that you know loving kindness is is a bond. This is um, this is different. Let me explain. I mean, it is a bond, but compassion is a bond, but this is truly the bond. 
So for example, you know, it's a good example right now. I, this is not so easy to teach this way, folks, I must confess. I must confess, this is not so easy. You know why? Because there's no bond over here. I see a bunch of names. I see, okay, on, on Clubhouse, at least I see, um, you know, a picture of, of a face, but that's it. Now, you might be bonding with me, but I'm not bonding with you in this Mida of Yisoyed. Why? Because I'm not seeing you. I'm not blaming anybody for this. This is the fact. <laughs> well, when we're on Zoom and you don't put on your camera, <laughs> so that's a different story. You put on your camera, so there is a connection. Because you do see the eyes of the other person, you see the face of the other person, and there is a bond that that creates. So Altair says, for example, if you're teaching your child, and the child happens, you are learning, let's say, and you're learning the, the concept that you actually want to teach your child, but you're learning it for yourself, right? And the, and the child's listening. The child's listening, right? Uh, the child can gain and learn, but the learning experience is not the same that if the parent knew, or, or the parent turned around and saw the child there, looked them in the eye, and the child looked the parent in the eye, and now you communicate, right? That's foundational, that's fundamental, that's your side, that's what it is, the bond that that creates. So it's not just about an idea that I'm giving over, but there's the bond that is being created as, uh, you know, I guess four eye eyeballs come together in a sense. That that creates a bond, and it cre and it creates. What does it create? By the way, um, in the physical body of the person, those are the genitals. Um, why? Because that's where bond is. A bond is created uh, through the genital, the, the organs, uh, the sexual organs creates a bond between a deep bond between the way it's supposed to be, husband and wife. Um, so the same thing is that when when a person is bonded to the the person that they're engaged with right and here we're not talking about physical bond we're talking about just you you sense the bond that creates a greater desire in the person to give and that creates a greater desire from the recipient to receive because you Feel the connection. You sense the connection. I'm not talking about love over here. It's not about love. Love is, as we'll get in a moment, where, I mean, not that it's not love, but it, it, it's more uh, funneled over here. It's more specific. Okay? So the fact that there's the face-to-face, -face, the love and, and desire um, is... Right, and the delight that there is in that in, in now teaching because of the bond is much more real and therefore the learning process is much greater. The teaching process becomes greater. That's why again I ask people when we're on Zoom, put on your camera because that inspires me greater to teach. Because when you are just talking to a, a camera, like I am now, right? Um it doesn't elicit this within the, the heightened desire and delight in the teaching that now 
when you have that heightened desire and delight in the connection that you give you give it over better you give it over with more of an oomph now so we've mentioned six there's a seventh that doesn't and will be brought out later um uh, Malchus, uh, the author doesn't mention here, we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, so he says, those are the outer, ex- ex- the, the, the external, so to speak, of these attributes. There's the internal part of the attributes, and that's called love and awe. Love, um, that when you have a love for someone, that causes you to want to give to them, whether you're giving them in a animated passion, the way of um, chesed, of kindness without boundaries, right? Or you're giving it in by netzach, the right leg, on the same side, the right leg you're giving, um, out of a, uh, bringing it down, that the love is now more of a enduring love not a passionate love um not so much about your heightened passionate feeling but about how to overcome to um to uh prevail that the love should be expressed in an enduring fashion rather than a passionate way that's what netzach would be right or, or as the torso, the middle ground would be to be compassionate. Then you have the left, which is awe. Awe meaning, uh, awe slash fear. Um, and the awe and love come together. When you really love somebody, then you have the fear of anything that should harm them. So that you withhold because you don't want to harm to come their way. So you withhold saying something that might harm them. You withhold, you know, the child from the knife, <laughs> right? That they shouldn't hurt themselves. Um, that is all the left. In other words, you are very aware of the of the other. It's not so much about you. It's about the other. That's the left side. That's what awe is. Awe is your small and like the awe of God. God is great, and you feel your smallness. When you're in awe of another person, you're feeling their greatness and your smallness. So it's more about sensing them. That's the left side. Therefore, there's a judgment, right, that comes with that. That's what gvura is. And a judgment means um, that there's a, a withholding, a, a drawing, a contraction. Awe is in itself a contraction, right? <gasps> right here. Wow. Where love is, uh, is the opposite, is embracing here it's holding back contracting yourself and in hood that expresses itself in contracting yourself of um, being really aware of the other acknowledging exactly where they're at right so that's all of the left side of all those are the two basic influencers the inner dimension of these emotions that we just spoke about. Now from 
dealing with the Midas and how they are offshoots of love and awe or, or compelled by the internal aspect of love and awe. Now, what gives birth to them? What gives birth to them is intelligence. Chabad, Chochma bin Vadas. And in proportion to one's intelligence will be the proportion of one's emotions. As we see quite evidently from a child whose um, intelligence is, you know, uh, is small or, you know, is, is minimal compared to an adult, right? Or what they will become when they're an adult. And therefore, their uh, desire for things and their emotional uh, connection and uh, for things uh, are petty, right? Insignificant. When you become greater intelligence, they become, um, you know, more things of value um, become important to you. So... Um, So that's both Chochman and Bina, but particularly the alternative says, and he doesn't go into uh, into depth over here as he does in other places. Um, das, Das is the main component over here of the bridge between intelligence and emotions. Das means to connect. Ah, uh, uh, is also connection, right? Yisoid is a connection, a bond, a, uh, a, a bond in connecting. Um, on the emotional level. Here, this is a connection between the intelligence to the emotions. As it says, Adam knew Eve, Adam Yadav's Chava, knew, means they had relations, and it means a connection. So, to connect what you know to what you should ultimately feel emotionally. So, uh, the example I give of someone who doesn't have Das. Is like the doctor who knows really well the ills of smoking and yet smokes. So they have it in Bina, have a great understanding, but they they haven't connected with it. It hasn't been real. It's not real for them intellectually, concrete and real. That it should feed the emotions, that therefore you have a fear of it. And therefore that fear brings you to abstain from smoking. Yeah, right so the 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 more our das the more we are able to make things concrete and real in our minds right uh, again not in the emotions here we're not talking about we're talking about in the mind that from there that will feed the heart and give birth to the emotional traits as a result Whew. Okay, let's unpack this. Well, I think we unpacked it already, <laughs> to be quite honest. But let's unpack it even more. Do we know that we had all of this in us? Such a capacity within us um, of these traits, powers of the soul. Um, I, I would ask everyone to um, I would ask everyone to please um, try to think this over and, and when you are dealing with another person try to implement some of this 
it's gonna be hard to implement all of it but you know try try to to implement um, and see how it goes by the way it doesn't always have to go from up to, uh, up down from the passionate three top emotions to the three bottom ones sometimes it can start from the bottom and work itself up um, sometimes it is that way sometimes you start with the bond that you sense the bond and from that bond that you know can create um, that connection creates then the desire to overcome obstacles to truly acknowledge the person for you know their capacity and that can then bring you to a compassion or benevolence to give it can work that way too um, But this gives us, and, and this is, by the way, not talking about the godly soul. It's actually speaking about the human condition. This is not specifically godly soul. It's more the, like the, the intelligent soul. It's not the animal soul, right? It's not the animal soul and the instinctual um, traits of the animal soul of just being self-absorbed and self-directed, rather. Um, but this is part of the human condition that we have this capacity within us of connecting, doing for another, being benevolent first based on, on our understanding, perception when we have the right perception and das that, that will feed our emotions and the emotions um, we can we be able to see you know Who's on first? What's on second? Where, where, or you know, what's happening inside of me? Now that we have a, a clear understanding, so uh, just a, a challenge, especially if you're doing the um, Tanya journal. You've got the Tanya journal, so this is a great thing to journal with. What and what of these am I using? How aware am I? of these traits powers of my soul that i have and um, effectively using them so the greater awareness we have the better we will be able to uh, to truly to truly give ultimately um Okay, questions, comments, thoughts, ideas. I guess it's so clear. I hope so. <laughs> I see any questions. Davida, did I miss any questions here on Facebook? No, I don't see any questions.
Now, a lot of these things we do naturally because they are part of our soul. Um, they are part of our soul. So we have the, um, the, the, the capacity for this and we do it. But being aware of it is very different than just, you know, doing it. I think that's what's... Now, so yeah, we do filter it and we do concretize it and we do bring it down into bite-sized pieces, you know. We naturally do this, but to be aware of the full process, the more you're aware of it, the more deliberate you are in doing it rather than, you know, doing it just, um, you know, so to speak, in spite of ourselves, <laughs> right? Um, I think that's Deborah has a question. Why does God want us to think first and feel second? Isn't that counterintuitive? Uh, good question. Because if we feel first, then we're like uh, acting out of instinct, like an animal. And that's what makes us distinct, distinctive from the animal kingdom, is the mind is now um deborah it's not to say that we don't uh it's naturally feel first but we have to catch ourselves that that feeling that we're feeling first is an expression of the animal soul the human condition and that's not being godly godly is that you don't allow that to dictate um the moment use your mind to allow you to um, to go through this and respond in a godly way rather than by instinct so you know animals uh, on four they look down because they only have the natural way of their being to live so I've said many times in the last 5,000 years there hasn't been a lion that has come up and said, I, I don't want to be a ferocious lion anymore. I want to be, a, you know, an endearing pussycat. Or, you know, man's best friend. Um, because that's a, their nature. But if we were rugged and roaring like a lion, we could tame ourselves. How do we do that? How do you tame yourself? How do you change anything in yourself? How do you progress in any way the mind has dominion over the heart the mind feeds the heart that the heart should have the appropriate feeling right uh, the appropriate feeling so when you know that uh, you know your heart is hurt but when you know that it should be otherwise it can lessen the hurt it can remove the hurt possibly but that's, um, you know, 
if we're if we're just to follow and uh, this ties in with yesterday that's not being authentic we think you know the, the world today is what you feel that's authentic and that's why uh, you know uh changing your gender well that's authentic because that's the way i feel well no it's not authentic that's the way animal kingdom works whatever their instinct is whatever they're feeling in the moment i'm feeling hungry and you're my lunch <laughs> that's okay because that's what they are but that's not okay for us that i'm feeling this now so this is what i am no that's what you feel like maybe that's what your struggle is maybe that's what you need to deal with maybe you need to overcome yourself maybe you need to feed a different perspective in your mind to um have a different perspective on things so therefore in your heart you will feel differently ties in with yesterday's authenticity that we spoke about that is crucial crucial whoever missed yesterday that was a pretty powerful ideas that we spoke um so um so authenticity comes from knowing the right thing and even if you don't feel it trying to struggle with it deal with it Okay. Um, I don't see the question. Hold on. I've lost the feed. Okay, Eliana, please share with us. Uh, yeah, just a quick question. Uh, you know, in, in the Shema, it says, um, you know, to love the Lord your God is in English, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Um, so it looks like we're, we're starting from bottom up, so to speak, with emo, uh, with the emotive qualities. Is that is that what the small is telling us? Um, and then working up to our might, and you know, our mind might be in our mind where our vitality, our strength is. Um, or what is the the Shema even saying anything in relation? Because it starts with the heart, which is obviously the emotive qualities. Um, uh, thank you for the question. Very good question. So let me just repeat. Um, Actually, it doesn't start with the emotions, um, but Eliana uh, is asking in the Shema, it says that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, right? But it doesn't start there. It starts with Shema Yisrael, here. Here, Jewish people, the Lord your God and the Lord is one. What does hearing mean? Hearing means to understand. So it starts with intelligence. First, understand the oneness of God. And once you understand, not, not that God is merely one and we don't believe in Zeus, or any other deity. Um, I had someone working here yesterday. And, um, says, well, you know, uh, first time I've ever in a synagogue. And, um, and you know, I, I'm Christian, and, you know, but, and my God is, you know, da da da. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not really practicing. So who's your God? Is your God also my God? <laughs> so, um, I guess he didn't meet a Jew either, or never had a conversation with a Jew before. So I said, well, no, our God is God. <laughs> our God is one. Um, our, you know, he doesn't really have a name. He's beyond a name. I mean, we have a name, but he's beyond a name. Um, and he's God of, of all people, you know. So, anyways, cute uh, conversation. Uh, he was uh, quite taken 
But uh, anyways, uh, the point I want to bring out over here is that Shema means to hear. Hear means to understand, right? So we need to understand with our minds the oneness of God. And once we have the oneness of God, then it will come via hafta. As a matter of fact, the question is asked, how could God command us that we should love him? Well, he's actually not commanding us to love him. He's commanding us to know him, hear, understand the oneness of God. And that will bring you, as, the, as it says, and you shall and you will, right? Shall, will. Um, and it's an and there. It says, it doesn't say, so it's connected to the previous statement of Shema Yisrael, that through the Shema Yisrael, you will then come, you shall and you will come to love God. So uh, actually it brings out um, the opposite of that. It comes from the intelligence to the emotions. So thank you for bringing that, Eliana. So we brought a clarification. Thank you. Margo, please share with us. So I have, um, I guess it's more of a practical question. Is it okay to ask one? Sure. Um, so... me but um sometimes i don't because i will inadvertently speak first and so i'm wondering if that happens should i just not say it or should i still say it and then does one say amen at the end well i say you know you cut off for a second so i missed something that you just said oh i was saying so when i um i I try in the morning to say the modani when I wake up. Right. But there are times when I will speak first inadvertently. And so then I feel like I can't say it and I don't say it. So I'm wondering, does that have to be? And also, do, does one say amen at the end? Um, so you don't say amen at the end and you should say it even if you didn't say it right away. No, yeah, definitely you should say it. Because what is it? It's a thanksgiving to God that he's restored our soul within us. So even if we don't do it, you know, immediately upon awakening, um, you know, the Thanksgiving is still due. So yeah, absolutely, you should do that. Thank you for the Thank question. You. Thank you. Jay asks, why does God allow iniquities in society? Okay, um, that's a, a very good question. And briefly, because that's not our topic of discussion right now, God allows it because he gives us freedom of choice. If he didn't give us freedom of choice, then we'd be like the lion who remains 5,000 years without progress, who remains the same lion 5,000 years ago as today. I mean, it might be a little different only because of human uh, engagement, human um, uh, you know, manipulation of the animal kingdom you know, in a zoo, but, um, but otherwise on, left to their own, they have not progressed. They have not. Uh, they have not debased themselves more. They have not progressed themselves anymore. So uh, they remain the same. We have freedom of choice. So therefore, um, and and the freedom is to, to, to connect to God or disconnect to God from God. That's our freedom. And uh, if not, then we couldn't have a relationship with God. We would just be, you know, just another animal. So that's why things can sometimes turn messy and ugly. <laughs> in brief, Asher, is discernment a better concept than judgment in this study of help uh, look us inward and engage with another 
for whatever reason so that we are continually sensitized to do the best for the other so we don't get in the way and miss or mess up the moment yeah that's actually good thank you Asher discernment yes excellent I like that I like that yeah discernment right with discernment very good that's the left side discernment okay excellent any other questions any other comments anybody here on so uh on instagram there was and uh mother naturally has intuition for her child Natural, uh, mother naturally understands what her child is about and what they're feeling okay so what's the question no argument there <laughs> all right um, I have a question go ahead Vilma Go ahead. You uh, muted yourself. Got it. So I've been learning about the soul and so how the soul has different levels and three of them that we can access. I believe you've spoken about them before. Right. But all these levels of the soul like connect, you know, to different places in the Sephirot or in the worlds above. But really what I'm understanding is that the soul resides in the mind. It's a consciousness and awareness that even after the body dies, there's that soul power, the intellect, everything is still there. So um, the soul, the essence of the soul is everywhere in the person, the first revealed dimension of the soul is in the brain of the person and from there it's diffused into every part of the person so there's an element of the soul in your eye that gives you a capacity to see in your ear to hear and in your finger to be act you know as a finger um so you know there's those three dimensions of the of the soul that are not like nefesh ruach and neshama um the essence of the soul, the first um, revelation of the soul in the mind, in the brain, and then how it's diffused from there into the entirety of the person. Um, and animates, you know, every part of the person in its unique functional manner. Um, so those are the, the three things. After a person passes away, the soul lives on. And the nefesh part of the soul is still connected to the body on some level, where the ruach, which is the emotional, and then the shema, which is the intelligent part of the soul, removes itself, and and now that part of the soul is moving towards Ganeden. That's in brief. Okay. Everyone like experiences, you know, and senses things through their sight and their hearing and their mind and 
all these powers that are connected to like the soul but once the soul is um inside the body it's not like we have to develop that as i understand it some people like perceive things more through sight some more through sound so me like when i teach virtual classes like i don't see everyone and i don't have to i really listen like i'm more connected to what i hear and that's probably just me because my sight has always been poor like i don't see like 100 percent, but then i never focused on that i developed my hearing i developed other senses i can understand people by how they speak right yeah yeah that with someone once i know someone i can hear their emotional state i can hear if they're lying or not kind of deal right so you know when we spoke about you said about the bond um so um we're talking about that which creates the bond so the um that would creates the bond well when you physically see somebody right and that you have a love towards so in that physically seeing them and connecting with them as you know when you connect people connect eye to eye that creates some kind of bond um so that's one manner now you can create that bond in your mind's eye too right of having the image of that person in your mind's eye that you're thinking of and that creates a bond to that individual absolutely it's not just the physical person it's also the the image of that person that you have in your head that also uh, can create that bond right but we're talking about that which creates the bond in order to um you know that gives more desire to give that's it so it could be in your mind's eye it could be the physical eye absolutely it it it's not about hearing the idea that creates the bond it's about because you're not bonding with an idea so to speak you're right you bond with a person so if there's that sense of bonding with the person and by the way you know thank you for bringing that up because even though uh, there's no question seeing um seeing another helps to create that deeper bond um you know so in my mind's i i, I see some of you <laughs> that helps to create you know that stronger desire to give so yes absolutely it uh, it's true just remember that when you're hearing somebody's voice it also conjures up an image of the person right so that's what I'm that's my point you know it's not it's not a it's not a disembodied voice unless you never met the person or saw a picture of the person or you know and so on right 
Yeah, and even then, and even then, and even then, if you never saw the person, you just you know spoke on the phone with them, you know, the old-fashioned kind of phones, you know, those that don't have a picture. <laughs> if anybody yeah. remembers uh, what kind of phone that is, um, uh, <laughs> right? So um, you know, even then, when you speak to a person, right, you conjure up in your mind an image of that person. You know. Sorry. Hello. Hello. Okay. Yeah, so you know, you you conjure up an image. All right, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Vilma. Okay. I uh, gotta go. <laughs> this has been great. We will continue this. Uh, we're not finished this letter yet. More to come. Uh, for our next class. I'm Rabbi Ronnie Fine coming to you from Chabad Zuch and Kadesh in Montreal, Canada. It's a privilege and a pleasure to share with you the Tanya. Thank you all for joining. Um, wishing everybody a wonderful day, a good Shabbos, and uh, we'll see you on the other side.